Samuel. Cuts it back. Ohio State wins. I put my heart in this Let's go, man. That is as good as it gets. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Really on the field, a touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. Hey, and welcome to the Peace of Mind Podcast. College football week five is officially over. As always, I'm Kevin Jackson. I'm with my host, AJ Nance. Yes, sir. This is uh, myself would be one third of the winner's club. <laughs> the other two thirds would make uh, would be my co-host here and our lovely producer, Justice West. It's a tough weekend to be a college football fan for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's not what we looked for, but uh, we also didn't play Miami of Ohio School of the Untalented. So that's very know. true. But also, I think we finally got an answer to the infamous question from those kids up north in the state of Michigan of who's got it better than us. I think it would be officially pretty much everybody has got it better than Michigan. Yeah. Especially not, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, not not a not a good look for a team that was supposed to have like these possible playoff aspirations. It was, it was not what I expected. Well, let me take it back. It was exactly what I expected. But if you're a Michigan fan, not what you hoped. No, not at all. But that's what you get for being a Michigan fan. Yes, yes, yes. Um, also, I was thinking too. Like we talked about it very briefly last or on the uh, money line episode, but I was impressed that Michigan State racked up thirty-one points. I did not think they were going to score that many points, um, especially on the road. And you know they came out and played pretty well after dropping one to Arizona State. So I was pretty impressed by them. Yeah, and Northwestern, the best time to get Northwestern is the beginning of the year because they're just trying to figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. And then they usually hit their stride mid-year. But September, they're terrible. Yeah, there's there's always a couple teams like that where you know if you play them in the first few weeks, they'll be terrible. But like as the season goes on, pretty much like Vandy and Tennessee, honestly, like they're always bad at the beginning of the year. And then like – well, at least Vandy becomes a formidable opponent towards the end of the year. Well, I think the problem is Northwestern just doesn't have the people. Like they don't have the bodies. Gotcha. So you gotta you gotta figure out what you got. Yeah. And you gotta figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Do you think that um their quarterback's gonna, you know, finally bloom into because I know that he was he had been struggling the last few weeks. Do you think he's gonna, you know, finally kind of understand the system and morph into the quarterback they need, or do they still need to go out and find one? I, I don't know. I, he's still young, so I think they'll just roll with him. Yeah. But also, nonetheless, another small tidbit, but Tulsa getting the dub over uh, Wyoming, 24-21. So Wyoming, who busted up Missouri 
Could not be Tulsa. Hmm. Sometimes it's a bad matchup. It's a wild world we live in. This is the Peace of Mind News and Notes. All right, so let's get started breaking down week, I don't know, is it week four, week five, week zero? I guess it would be week four, <laughs> college football. Yeah, but uh, let's break down with the top headlines from college football uh, this weekend with the news and notes section. All right, so let's get started here. Um, obviously, you had two routes at the top of the the um, the standings. Clemson running away with a 52-10 win over Charlotte. Uh, Alabama running away with a 49-7 win over Southern Miss. Um, they pretty much look like they're just going to keep rolling, right? At least Clemson, right? I'm not going to lie. I did not watch a snap of the Clemson game. I saw a couple highlights, but – Everything I've heard, Trevor Lawrence just doesn't look that great with five touchdowns. What I mean, at some one point in the season, he had five touchdown passes and five interceptions. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. but who's going to challenge him on that schedule? I mean, it's not going to happen, but I mean, it's just it's kind of going to be like, in my opinion, like Florida State 2014. Like they get they just, there, but they just won't be better than the teams they play once they get there. Yeah, I think they'll probably be better than Florida State, but it just Florida State that year wasn't impressive. Gotcha. Um, but they went undefeated. Yeah, that makes sense. Same with Alabama. Well, I honestly think Alabama will be tested. I think that uh, Auburn's shown they're good enough. A&M will be playing their third or fourth top-ranked team, so I don't think they'll be scared of Alabama. I don't think they'll beat them, but they won't be scared. Um, and then LSU also presents quite a tough challenge for Alabama. So I think by the time Alabama, if Alabama makes it to the SEC championship, like they would have been tested enough already. Yeah, but I, I mean, the scary thing about Alabama's schedule is it's backloaded. Whereas oh, yeah. when they've always lost, they've always lost at the beginning of the year. And so they're will they be able to handle – a loss or two at the end of the year because they've always got that bias of we lose one and then we just kind of we just keep winning the games and let everybody else keep falling and we just happen to find ourselves in the top spot at the end of the year. Yeah. That's um, when they lose. When they lose right, right, in the regular right, season. Right. Um LSU with another route. Uh Ohio State started sluggish early, down five oh, but of course, rattled off 76 unanswered. So I think they're okay. Um, <laughs> and then you had. Yeah, two overmatched, two overmatched, yeah, two overmatched know. teams. So we were discussing this offline, but the, the top tier of teams is basically Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. And that's the top tier. And then the next tier. I wouldn't even is, I honestly wouldn't even put Ohio State in there yet. I would. I would. Like they look, I wouldn't even put Oklahoma I wouldn't even put Oklahoma in there. Like they've done what they needed to do, but I don't know. You gotta at some point you gotta prove it. I would say it's like like Georgia. At yep. least they won a game against the top ten team. But I still think that like from what we've seen Georgia like I've watched them at least twice now. I watched them against Vandy and I watched them against Notre Dame and they're a good team. 
And Notre Dame's a good team, but I don't think Georgia is as good as those teams previously mentioned. I don't think te- I think Texas, Georgia, Wisconsin, um, Auburn—they're kind of in that next tier of teams. I don't think they're in that that top tier of teams right now. I, yeah, I guess they. Um, I mean, they, they. I, I can't give. I can't fault them for for winning a tough game. I, you know, playing tough teams will make you do that. Um. Yeah, I, I, I put more stock into that than Ohio State putting up seventy six against an overmatched Miami team. No, not at all. Um, but I would say that Ohio State has a an offensive identity in their game plan. And they have, for at least the first four weeks, stuck to that and made it made it work well. Now, granted, now they're jumping into their conference play. Things will change a little bit, but like up until this point, they've 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 been very efficient with how they're operating, and they they look like they understand what they're doing, which is big, regardless of who you're playing. That's very true. Very like, true. We just saw LSU put up 66 points against Vandy. Now, granted, they gave up some points, but they put up 66, and Georgia scored 24 against Vandy. So, I mean, there is there is a slight difference between their offensive uh, outputs now. And even though they got Notre Dame last night, Notre Dame was down like a starting receiver and their top two starting running backs. So, that kind of changes the game when when you look at, like, oh, okay, well, if you add in at least two significant contributors to that offense, yeah, maybe it's a tighter game. Yeah. Well, uh, also in the headlines, we've got uh, – there's a wild one if you were stayed up for the late game. Uh, oh, yeah. UCLA versus Washington State, down 32 in the third quarter. Come back for a huge 67-63 victory over Washington State. How would you feel if you're Washington State, score 63 points, throw nine touchdown passes, and lose? That's tough. Well, I mean, hell, if you don't turn it over six times, you walk away with the win. Like, I mean, everything else, yeah, was great, but you just can't give the ball away six times. That's Incredible. Anthony Gordon, though, probably waking up a little bit sore and pissed off today because he was just slinging touchdown pass. Like, <laughs> I think Terry threw 11 touchdown passes last year. This kid had nine <laughs> in a, in a game. game. Like, right. <laughs> that's insane. And he still didn't win. Like, that's wild. Um, and then you've got – um also, the fact that the over/under was fifty-eight points, and both and both teams, and both teams covered <laughs> the fifty-eight by themselves. I will say, um, you know, we all watched that first UCLA Cincinnati game, and UCLA's offense looked awful. Um, they didn't look any better against Oklahoma. They lost to San Diego State, who turns out to be a decent team. But uh, last night, like it, those. That kind of output, that kind of win is why you get Chip Kelly. Now let's see if they can rattle off a few wins after getting a big ranked win. I think that 
you know, the season's not out of reach for them. I don't think they had these huge aspirations anyway, but if they could get, they can muster up a few wins in a row here, it'll set them up to, you know, be looking at a bowl game, which I think would be big in year two for Chip Kelly. Yeah, that would, they're going to have to make do with their league, win a few games in the league because their out of conference schedule is pretty tough. Mm -hmm. Having to play Cincinnati, Oklahoma, those are two tough games. So, but uh, what else we got? Um, You know, (laughs) one I got here, and if Justice has taps, I think we should play it. But um, we'd love to send our well wishes to the, two-year defending national champions, the uh, UCF Knights, because uh, I'm pretty sure they're out of it now. <laughs> you, uh, If you go undefeated, you can talk your shit. But Pittsburgh took it to them, and then they called the big nuts play of the game with a variation of the Philly special to get the dub on fourth and goal, which I thought was just a fantastic call. So... Hats off the pit, and um, rest in peace to UCF. I would say at least rest in peace to their to their, their playoff, their playoff as- aspirations, their national title relevance, or anything like that. But I give credit to UCF; is uh, they're a legitimate football program, and uh, I think they would actually fare pretty well if they played in the ACC. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like. Kudos to them for starting a program. And, uh, I mean, they get a lot of crap, and they they welcome it, but um, um, good for them. Do you think this moves them out of – I mean, taking into account, like, we still got two-thirds of the season left. Do you think this hurts them getting into a New Year's Six Bowl, or do you think if they win out, they could still get into a New Year's Six Bowl? Uh, they're probably out. I don't know what other ranked or a group of five team would make it in. Boise, I mean, I would say Boise. Right Boise, now, yeah. Boise would be the team that went. It wouldn't be UCF. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, another thing that kind of jumped off the page to me. I thought that um, I caught the, the the last little bit of the Colorado Arizona State game. Um, you know, Mel Tucker's doing well, man. Um, he's got them at three and one in his first season. Um, they look good. They look like they can like hold their own. Um, and you just got you just got a um, a road win in the Pac-12, which I mean, any road win in in conference is huge. But especially getting one your first year when the team struggled last year, I think you know he's got them. He's got them playing really well. And I think Arizona State was a quality opponent to beat. Um, so, I mean, if you're a Colorado fan, you gotta be, you gotta be excited for what you're seeing out of your program in year one. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. Good bounce back win after losing to air force. That's tough because you had your, you know, big win against Nebraska flying high. You had a kind of like a state championship kind of game because you played Colorado state as well. You play air force and uh, a team that you're clearly overmatched and uh, you couldn't get the dub, but good bounce back win for Colorado. Definitely. Um, Florida State, Louisville. I thought, um, I don't know what it, honestly, and like, I'm not even trying to be funny. I don't know what's the problem with Florida State. 
because they start so well. They got out of the gate this game, and it's 21-0 first quarter, and it's 21-7 at halftime. And then it was 20, it was 24 to 21 Louisville before Florida State rattled off 14 straight to close the game. But like I just don't understand. I don't understand where the drop, like why they I don't I, I don't understand how they start fast and then they can't stay at that same level or continue to like hold on to leads. Like they just start so well and then they plummet. It's the third game that they've done it in. Yeah, I think it's a confidence issue. I think they just at some point they just you know, when you're a loser, you're prepared to lose. And it's like, uh, it's kind of like, you know, the harder you fight, the worse it gets. You're trying so hard not to lose that eventually you're just going to keep getting closer and closer to losing. But I did see Alex Hornerbrook come in mm-hmm. and uh, throw a touchdown pass. And I didn't think Blackman played bad early, but I, I do think. He just got hurt. Yeah, he just got and And I think that Hornerbrook does give them a little, like you said, like a little bit of stability, a little bit of. Um, more veteran leadership at that position um, just because he's older and has played a little bit more. I'd be interested to see if he can get them out of like the roller coaster woes that they go in because they look great at times and then they look just awful at times. But they got to win, which if you're a Florida State fan, you care less how it looks. You just got a dub. Um, San Jose State going on the road and beating Arkansas. I know Arkansas is not great, but it's a big win for a San Jose State uh, program. Just, you know, getting the SEC win on the road, that's huge for them. So thought that was pretty dope. Um, we I know that we, we caught the tail end of this game, but that Nebraska-Illinois game, the finish was pretty crazy. Um, Nebraska just holding on, but – you know, at three and one, then they got they got you guys coming into town this week. They've they're in a position to make a lot of noise. I, from what I've seen from Ohio State and what I've seen from Nebraska, I would pick you all to to put up fourteen, seventeen plus more than what they do. But I think that if there was a chance for them to get a huge win and kind of take that next leap towards returning to Nebraska, it'd be this week. I think it would be like I, if I, my early prediction for the Ohio State Nebraska game would be like a 45, 28, 45, 31 type game. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll have some glimmers of good things, but ultimately I don't, I just don't think they have the talent to keep up with you all. I also don't think that they're as good as you all just period. So, Right. Um, yeah, they don't have the players. Right. A um, couple last scores here. Washington um, just rocked BYU. Um, Jacob Beeson looked really, really good in that game. Um, Old Dominion, who was up 17-0 on Virginia, <laughs> allows Virginia to score 28 straight and ends up losing 28-17. to um, Oregon gets a, gets a win over a team that Seemingly always gives them troubles, but 21-6 win over Stanford. Um, Florida in a route over Tennessee, 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Tennessee had its opportunities. They they forced turnovers in the short side of the field and didn't convert. They got in the red zone, didn't convert. Yeah, it's just just bad look and um Trask at quarterback looked fine. I thought I thought he actually made their um their offense look a little bit formidable than Felipe Frank. So thank you for your They uh, yeah, Tennessee, what a what a garbage <laughs> garbage game, man. Like I I I don't know. I thought it would at least be with a with a backup quarterback. I mean, they still got housed by thirty-one points. Yeah, yeah, it was not, and and God, they, it's just like simple things that they just don't do right. Um, I don't know if you're a Tennessee fan, like your frustrations. I don't really foresee ending anytime soon, based on their upcoming schedule. So, might just be time to start taking them on the chin. Um, and then the last one I wanted to point out here, Kevin, was uh, the Utah-USC game. Um, USC, like, on their third-string quarterback and still getting it done. Um, the kids are really responding to Clay Helton. And I think that, you know, as a coach who's probably close to on the hot seat to start the year, that's what you want to see from your team. They're 3-1. and one. Uh, They've got a couple good wins. I really – I mean, they got a top-10 win, which is huge, but um, – you know, I think that they're starting to trend in the right direction. They're playing a lot of younger guys. So I think in a couple of years, they could be uh, starting to transition back to USC of old. Now, I know it's early in the season. They got a lot of games left against a lot of good teams. So we'll see. But if you're a fan of USC, you got to look at what they're doing right now and, and at least be proud of the first third of the season. Yeah, especially it seems like they have uh, quarterbacks growing on trees over there. Yeah. I'm, like how many – well, not you, asshole, but how many other <laughs> – how many how many other programs could play a third-string quarterback and, like, not see hardly any drop-off or, like, still yeah, get done? Yeah, it's – I mean, it just – well, I, when Ohio State did it, I would just say that their team was really good. But, like, USC's team's not that good. Also, like you, uh, USC. Um, his name was Matt Fink, but his method of thinking was, "Hey, if I get in trouble, I'm throwing it up to my playmakers." And his receivers just went and got it. Like every time he threw it up, they just went and got it, um, which was kind of incredible. And uh, kind of like the idea, like, "Hey, I'm not just going to take a sack or throw it five yards short of the stick. Like I'm going to give my team a chance." And most of the time, it ended in a catch or an incompletion, which doesn't hurt you. So I kind of appreciated it. Um, One last game, sorry, that I wanted to talk about was the Tulane-Houston game. Tulane with two incredible plays the last, like, 30 seconds of the game to score and to win, 38-31. Um, they did, like, the the fake kneel uh, fumble Ruski play which was dope. And then they hit a guy on a seam route who caught it in between two players, did like a spin move in between both of them as they hit, stayed on his feet, kept his balance, and ended up scoring with three seconds left. So uh, that was a hell of a win by Tulane. 
Uh, it was a great final drive for them. Two outstanding plays, and uh, I thought it was a pretty damn good game. I was pretty impressed with uh, Cal coming into Ole Miss. I mean, like, granted, it's a ranked team, but that the fin- ending to that game was a wild one. And uh, good for Cal for stepping up and getting a dub on the road. I know Ole Miss isn't that good, but, you know, good for them. Did you think it was a catch, or did you think it was a touchdown? No, no, no. The ball didn't cross the line. You know, even though his body did. Yeah, that's true. The shadows make it look probably a little bit closer than it actually was. But that's that's a tough way to lose. Yeah, it's tough. But um, <laughs> I mean, we haven't even talked about the Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin Michigan game. Yeah, we didn't. Um, I can we play some taps for uh, for Michigan? I've been waiting a long time to do this. <laughs> we can officially do it. up the band. This normally would be a um, a, a somber event to play taps for somebody and their playoff chances being over. But uh, I got to say, this is a joyous moment. This is a time of celebration that we can pull the curtain on Michigan for what they truly are. We could probably just uh, get them a regular uh, show in Vegas to get them a, a magician act because every year they seem to fool everybody into thinking that they're good. And then they pull the rug out from underneath us and show their true colors. So Michigan, you are officially out of the playoffs. Probably don't have a coach either. So thank you. Thank you for that beautiful you. And they got 28 to nothing at halftime. In Michigan's defense. In Michigan's defense. A lot of people. (laughs) Sure, but. I mean. (sighs) Did you know that Wisconsin was going to run the ball? Yes, everyone. Everyone I'm sorry. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just giving them too much credit. I don't know how you could ever see that coming. <laughs> they, they didn't like, you know. We always talk about uh, Bill Belichick and his mindset is: whatever you do best, I'm going to try to eliminate. And then if you beat us with the other things, that's fine. But just not letting you be beat us with your best thing, that probably would have been a good place for them to start this game. Probably, like probably. But it just goes to show, man. They just can't play at the line of scrimmage. I just don't I I just don't think Michigan is a top tier team. And I I'm, You think they're in the top twenty five? Yeah, probably like twenty to twenty five range, yeah. Um and they'll have a couple more times this year to prove it. I just don't think like as a team they don't win uh, very much how people were talking about Notre Dame, which I think is less true for Notre Dame. But Michigan just doesn't win a quality game that they need to. Like they don't beat top ranked opponents when they when they when they supposedly should beat them. Um, and and quite honestly, they lose ninety five percent of the time when they play 
top ranked talent. So you just can't like I get it. They're getting good. They're getting good recruits. I understand it. They're 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 having quote unquote the top talent ranked players go there. I understand. Um they're winning nine games, ten games. I get it. But they're just not winning good games. And so at some point in time you have to look at them and say like they might not be a top tier program anymore. Like I it's that simple. At this point, you're essentially rooting. If you're a Michigan fan, you're rooting for a museum because that's. I mean, that's what they are. Yeah, I mean, that's you're resting on your laurels. I think the biggest thing that the biggest uh, issue that Michigan had in the past ten years was firing Rich Rod. You think so? Oh yeah, I think they should have supported him full go and. They should have kept him. He got better every single year. He would have brought that program into. Oh, could you imagine Rich Rod in his prime with Denard? That's that's wild. I'm looking at these stats, Kev. Under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, zero and four against Ohio State, one and nine against top ten opponents, zero and seven as the underdog. One and six on the road against ranked opponents. Five losses by at least 21 points, including three in their last five games. It's not good. Eventually you are what your record is. That's not good. And then, so they still have Iowa, who's ranked. They still got Penn State, State, who's ranked. They still got Notre Dame, who's ranked. And they still got Ohio State. Who's ranked? Who all make an effort to win in the trenches. Yeah. And from what I saw from Ohio State and Notre Dame yesterday, they're not better than those two teams. Now, I I haven't watched a lot of Iowa. I watched Penn State earlier. Um, I watched them against Pitt last week, and I forget who they played the week before. I was a poor man's Wisconsin. But, I mean, you know what I mean? I know know Iowa's program and what they – what they strive to be, and they just are a grinded out team. And Michigan's not – they don't play well against grinded out teams, a- a.k.a., like you just said, Wisconsin. Like, Iowa's just going to make you earn everything. And when you play teams like that and that's not how you're built characteristically, it makes it tough for you to do things well against them. Yeah, that's uh, it just it's a bad matchup for Michigan. So, and it, you know they lose Shea Patterson's already been banged up. Oh man! And then Dylan McCaffrey's out with a concussion, and then they put in Mackenzie Milton at the end of the game, and his uh, and then he sits back and throws a rocket right into the arms of a Wisconsin player. <laughs> so I mean, they just at some point, I mean, they still still don't have a quarterback. After a five-star transfer kid come in, comes in, and then you got a five-star Dylan McCaffrey, they still don't have a quarterback that can execute at a high level. I think the one thing that bodes well for Michigan is they only have to go in that stretch of tough games. They only got they only have to go to Penn State and and um, they only have to go to Penn State. So you get Iowa at home, you get Notre Dame at home, you get Michigan State at home, and you get Ohio State at home. 
So, I mean, I would definitely say on the road, those four would become extremely hard for you to win, but at least they have them at home or most of them at home outside of the Penn State one. So you've got a chance, but yeah, if the team that played yesterday shows up, they are going to lose all of these games, like all five yeah. of them. I guess also maybe it's good that they happened at the happened at the beginning of the season because, you know, um, it, it's poignant that – I think I've said this before on the podcast, but it's poignant that this was a Woody Hayes quote. This is, uh, Nothing cleanses your soul like getting your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going out and getting your ass kicked can have a way of really giving you some clarity of like what we need to do going forward. And so, I mean, you're, they're worried about probably this scheme and more, you know, are we the spread team? Are we the power team when we're transition our roster and blah, 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 blah. But when this happens, it's like, Hey, we got to scratch everything and we got to get back to the drawing board, get really good at the fundamentals. I could trying to control the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and let's just get good at a couple things and let's just get really good at that. Do you think they bounce um, back? Well, the good news is they play Rutgers, but we'll see the next time they play a primetime team. So they go Rutgers, then they go um, first week of October, they got Iowa. Um, October is really a big month for them. I mean, because you go Iowa, Illinois, who doesn't look bad. They look like a, 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 a decent team right now. They had Nebraska on the ropes. Um, then you go at Penn State, then you have Notre Dame at home. So, you know, that's that's that portion of your schedule is really make or break um, before you get into the beef of November, too. So we'll see. They're paying Jim Harbaugh. Uh, oh, man, I forgot the stat the other day, but it was like Alabama's like 26 and five um, over the last some odd years against ranked teams. And then I just read you the stat about Michigan versus ranked teams. And Jim Harbaugh is the second highest paid coach in the country. So, like, that would be my frustration. Like, if Jim Harbaugh was, like, the 17th highest paid coach in the country and Michigan was coming up short, fine. Like, but we can't be paying you a big boy top two salary and you have us looking like a a mid-tier team. Like that just ain't gonna work. Yeah, they just uh, tough to be a Michigan Wolverine. It's not great to be a Michigan Wolverine right now. It's also not great to be a Tennessee Vol. All right, <laughs> but let's go to a quick break here. Uh, we'll come back with our main segment and finish up the episode. All right, and we're back with the Peace of Mind uh, podcast. Gonna jump into kind of the. The big game of the, I'd say the biggest game of the week. Um, we had a, a matchup of two top 10 ranked teams. Um, Notre Dame, Fighting Irish were traveling between the hedges to play Georgia um, in a night game. I I was fairly impressed with this game, honestly. Like, I, you know, from, from our Moneyline episode last week, I, I did pick Georgia. Um, I thought that this game would be a little bit 
wider gap of margin than it was, but that's really a credit to Notre Dame. Um, I was very impressed with how they played. I think that um, being down some significant skill players put them in a predicament uh, where they, they were a little bit handicapped on offense, but I mean, to go to Georgia um, in a night game and compete the way they did. And really, I mean, for the most part, had Georgia on the ropes until late. um, I thought it was a really good game. I think that Notre Dame fans should be impressed with what they got, um, especially moving forward. Like they'll have some tough games, but um, I do think they'll probably be favored for most of their games remaining on their schedule. Um, they kept the, the for a, a, a rushing defense that had not been very good over the last couple of weeks. They kept DeAndre Swift under a hundred yards, which I think if you if you ask them that before the game, that's probably one of the main things that they were trying to do. Um, I think the biggest discre- discrepancy that I see um, through the statistics from yesterday's game was they just didn't have any any ground game whatsoever. Uh, their leading rusher, Notre Dame, that is, had nine carries for 21 yards. Um, you're just not going to win a game if your quarterback's dropping back 47 times and the defense knows it's a drop back, especially with Georgia, defense that are built to to withstand that. Well, I was I want to give credit to Georgia's athletic department for putting on an absolute show <laughs> in the pregame with the lights that was the most electric college football atmosphere i had ever seen in my life um i was truly blown away by how incredible it was i think that um, you're gonna see a lot more teams adopt that moving forward oh yeah and kudos to them for going first last year when i was at the purdue ohio state game i mean they they had those LED lights that were able to change and like give that effect, like a strobe light effect. And um, they had fireworks ready to go because I was like, I was blown away then. Like, them, man, they knew they were going to win this game. But Georgia, that pregame was unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. I thought, I was like, man, Notre Dame's got no shot. And then Notre Dame, here's what I expected to happen. You know, they're a good team. Brian Kelly's a good coach. They're more than good enough that they're going to come in and they're going to manage the game, but then eventually they're just going to get worn down. And I I was, you know, that happened. And then I saw, uh, you know, Georgia in the second half just completely own the game. But Notre Dame found a way. Like they found a way. They couldn't run the ball. They were struggling. They were getting gashed on defense, but they would always come up with a stop. Whenever they needed a play, it would come up. Um, they'd give up a touchdown. They'd answer. And for all that to happen, and then at the end of the game have a chance to win the game, mm-hmm. I was I was utterly impressed with the toughness of Notre Dame. Yeah, and I, I, we talked about it, like you said, last show. Like Brian Kelly usually gets a fair amount out of his team. Um, I will say that, you know, I watched their their opening game versus Louisville, and I was kind of disappointed in their first half production, how they approached the game. Uh, but 
from that being a few weeks ago, you could tell that they have grown as a team and gotten better since that last game that I watched. I think that uh, while this probably puts them on the outside looking in for the playoffs and stuff, I, I still think that they have a chance to have like a phenomenal season and probably still make a bowl or a, a New Year's Six bowl. Um, Ian Book looked, I mean, that a couple of those, well, he threw two interceptions. Um, one, I, I'm not really blaming him for. One was just a poor throw. But outside of those, I mean, he looked confident. He looked. He didn't look shook. He didn't look scared, nervous, or anything. Like he looked like, like, hey, I've been here before and I've done this, and 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 like I can take us out there and win. Uh, Jake Fromm, you know, he had a a a very efficient day. He was twenty of twenty six, but he only threw for one hundred and eighty seven yards. So, you know, it's still a lot of small things, but just keeping the defense honest. Um, and relying like on field position and things. So I think that that works. But um, if you look at, we talked about like those tier of teams, like going 20 for 26 for 187 yards is nice, but you're not going to beat Alabama or LSU with that kind of effort. I don't think. Yeah, you can clearly tell that there's a lack of trust in their pass game. Which is wild to me because he's he's played in a number of big time games. Like, I, I don't know if – well, let me take it back. I don't know if it's necessarily him or they're just absolute youth of receivers that they're working with that don't allow him to throw deep. I think Cager is going to be really nice, but everybody else I think is kind of a toss-up of what they got at receiver. For Georgia at least. Um they, I mean, the best thing about Georgia right now is is they've got DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I mean that's their I mean, that ki- that's their that kid's special. Yeah, I mean that kid's special. But I think what you saw last last night was a couple of things. Uh, Notre Dame was probably better than people thought they were, and Georgia wasn't nearly as good as as people thought they were. Yeah, I think that was probably. I think that's probably what I got from the game. Uh, you know, props to Jake Fromm, but uh, I—it's I, going to be hard to put Georgia in that discussion right now. But again, at the end of the year, I mean, all those young players you got that have been playing all year are going to be vastly improved. Yeah, it just—it just—it just will all come down to: Will you have a shot to play for it? Will you have, while you're growing, been able to withstand? your schedule and get the wins to put yourself in an opportunity to play in that game to show how much you've grown. I will say that the, the schedule lines up well for Georgia. Um, they just got a big win last night. They get a week off. Then they get the putt, putt Tennessee team. They get South Carolina. They get Kentucky. I think that for the month of October, they're going three, and zero, and they're going to set up for, a tough November where they got to see Florida, Mizzou, Auburn, and A&M, and then end with Georgia Tech. Um, I I still think this Georgia team is the best team in the SEC East. Nothing has changed my mind. Um, I think they'll get some of these. Yeah, they're gonna beat. They're gonna beat Tennessee. They're gonna beat South Carolina. They're gonna beat Kentucky. 
honestly, uh, like in, Florida's at home. Well, no, that's the that's the uh, cocktail that's in Jacksonville. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. World's largest cocktail party. I think they lose to <laughs> Auburn. So, in um, the East, I think they lose to Auburn now. because of up front. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, A and M's gonna. Yeah, A and M's will be interesting to see what they are at that at that point in the year. That's always everybody knew that they were going to be a tough schedule, but you know, at some point, you just got to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you can't just keep using a tough schedule as an excuse all the time. At some point, you got to win a game, especially like when you're getting the level of recruits they are um, spending the money. Yeah, yeah they don't. Ex- they expect you to. Yeah, you should manage a tough schedule. Um, on the flip side, Notre Dame, they've got a they've got a, a small trap game next week. And I won't say small because I think like they got pushed to the brink last year by this team, but they got Virginia at home next week, um, which could be some trouble. Uh Virginia didn't look well this week, but that's not to say they know they're playing close to a top tier top 10 team. Um, they're going to try to get a big win on the road. Um, and Notre Dame coming off of putting a lot out there for the Georgia game. They got to bounce back against a formidable opponent. Um, so that could be a small trap game. They got Bowling Green, which should be a win. Um, you know, the Virginia might have been their trap game yesterday was preparing for Notre Dame. That possibly uh, the the old Dominion. Yeah, they were down seventeen nothing to Old Dominion, but they probably spent the week preparing for Notre Dame. Probably, probably. Um, and then I'm looking here, USC. While I think it's probably still a win, it doesn't look like just this runaway blowout win like I thought it was going to be to start the season. I think that game's probably going to be a little bit closer than I thought. But on the flip side, what game is uh, that? The Notre Dame USC game. Oh, but on right. the flip side, I don't think the Michigan game is going to be as close as I thought it was going to be to start the year. That's true. And then they end, and so that's their October. Their November is Virginia Tech, Duke, Navy, Boston College, Stanford. Um, all winnable games if you're Notre Dame. Um, I still think they've got a lot in front of them to, to really accomplish. Um, tough loss last night, but I I was pretty impressed with how they they went on the road and a hostile environment against a top ten team, top five team, and and they played well, almost with one arm behind your back right. because you know you were short at a running back position, you weren't able to run the ball like maybe you wanted mm-hmm. to. So that when you when you get put as a when you get made into being one dimensional on the road like that, that's tough. So yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty high on both of these teams moving forward. Um, if I had to guess, I would say that I mean, I, I guess I would say Georgia would end up with equal or better schedule, but they've also played. They're also going to play a little bit tougher schedule down the road. So Notre Dame does have. I don't really see Notre Dame losing more than one game. Moving forward, so ten and two would be the worst that they finish. You think that Notre Dame is going to lose one game moving forward? I, I said, I, well, I don't think that they will lose more than one game moving forward. 
So for the oh, rest okay. So the, they'll finish the season with two losses. Yeah, ten and two at worst. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I they play a lot of good names, but it just they're better than those teams. Yeah, yeah. I I, I would have said I mean, there's no there's no like Citadel. There's no like San Jose State. There's no. Um, I guess I mean they played New Mexico, but I mean the teams they play are. I mean those are quality football programs. Oh yeah, and now we're we're at the point of the schedule now where you pretty much play through those cupcakes. Now you're in the the heart of your schedule, and you're really looking at what you've got upcoming for the next few weeks and trying to decide like, hey, uh, where are we going to make up some ground? Where are we going to, you know? you're really going to establish what type of program you are in these next few weeks. Cause like you said, like you're not playing those, the Citadel or anything like it's, it's conference matchup basically. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, do you think Georgia, Notre Dame, both out of the playoff? Um, right now. Yes. I mean, not, not officially, officially, not officially, right. but like they're on the outside yeah, looking in right now. I think both of them are going to need things to happen, uh, to get them in. I, granted, Georgia controls their own destiny. I just don't think they're going to win out, uh, so that's going to hurt them. Notre Dame taking a loss, albeit to Georgia, is going to probably bump them down. And with them not having a conference championship really puts them behind the eight ball. Um, they're going to need a lot of chaos in front of them. Not saying that can't happen, but they're going to need a lot of chaos in front of them to um, – offset last night and then put them back in the, the running for it. Yeah. I mean, crazy things. Oh, have happened. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Uh, Ohio state lost to a, what a five and seven Virginia tech team and won the national title at, at, at home. home. And it, it happened. Oh, shit. LSU lost. And it worked. And it worked twice in a year. One was oh, the seven. Thanksgiving, like lost on Thanksgiving and still won the national championship. So like crazy things have happened. But I would say that probably more than likely they're on the outside looking in. Right. Um, looking forward to the schedule next week. Obviously, you got um, Ohio State, Nebraska, which should be a pretty good game. That's where uh, game day is at. Um, you got Ohio State's 44th appearance on college game day. I would say that he's probably going to put on the Ohio State head for that one. <laughs> um, Brutus Buckeye, man. USC Washington may be a decent game. Like I've said before, USC's playing good ball. Um, I think that they could show up and probably make that a closer game than most people would think. Um, Virginia Notre Dame should be a good game. Let's see who else we got. Who else do we have? Mississippi State and Auburn. Uh, I think Auburn's better than Mississippi State. Um, but Mississippi State's got a quarterback that their team's rallying behind. Um, I will say that if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I am a little bit terrified because you did not score a single point in the second half against Kentucky. Uh, and you're going up against a far superior defense. This coming week. So 
Um, I think a couple things I'm intrigued about Friday night. We got Penn State at Maryland. Maryland uh, did not play last week. Ooh, I do like that. And, um, you know, Maryland's good enough. And so that's, I think that'll be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like, uh, call me crazy, but you know how teams sometimes trip up against a game, you know, they lose a game you never expect. Mm-hmm. But Clemson at North Carolina, uh, Clemson, I mean, North Carolina is, is kind of on a skid, had a hot start. But if, you know, the right things were to happen, you know, crazier, crazier things, crazier things have occurred. You know, it's, it's really hard to go undefeated. Wouldn't be surprised if Clemson did it. But if you're talking about a trap game, a trip up game on the road at North Carolina, Mac Brown, you know, maybe pull some of that magic and get these guys going. Um, they lost on the blocked field goal last week. Um, who knows? Maybe they were looking for looking ahead to Clemson a little bit, but um, yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one. Um, you mentioned Friday uh, that that Penn State Maryland game, but we also got Arizona State and Cal on Friday. I'm here for that. I'm here, like Cal. Cal looks. That's yeah. That's an entertaining yeah. game. Like Cal, Cal has Arizona State will not be ranked. No, anymore, but. but Cal will, and um, they've looked good. They've looked. They've won games that I didn't like at the beginning of the season. I would not have picked them to beat Washington or Ole Miss. They have now beat both. Um, so they look formidable, and Arizona State's well coached. So I think that they're gonna. They're always going to be in the thick of things. Now, whether they complete uh, whether they complete the task and win the game or not is one thing, but they're always going to be in it. Right. Uh, Kentucky, South Carolina, you think Kentucky's going to get it done on the road? I don't think South Carolina's good. And whereas there's all the Michigan, if, if if you know the if you know this the history of the Mississippi State. Uh, Kentucky matchup. I think that the overall record is now 24 to 23 Mississippi state. Um, it's always back and forth. So even at the beginning of the season, y'all can go back and quote me on that being a toss up game. South Carolina needs to be a win for multiple reasons. One, we're on the skids and we really need to put the brakes on, get a win, go to our bye week and then come back and play a bad Arkansas team. You got a really good chance to put yourself at four and two and really set yourself up for starting to play, starting to play for uh bowl game selections versus uh, just getting bowl eligible. Um, it's, it's a big game because it's on the road and South Carolina is kind of in the same spot. They lost to UNC. They lost to Mizzou. Like, they need a good win, which Kentucky would be for them since they haven't beat them in five years, and we need a good win to stop the skids. So it should be a good game. Um, I I was disappointed in our efforts yesterday, but I thought defensively in the second half we played better, but our playmakers in general just have to be better. Like, Lynn Bowden can't drop two probably for sure touchdowns. Um Eddie Grant's got to call a better game. You can't gash them the first four or five plays and then 
throw the ball and throw a pick six. Now, granted, he didn't throw the pick six, but there's no reason to run the play. Just keep running it. You've been gashing them. Uh, defensively, you got to get off the field on third downs. We gave up a number of third and double digits uh, down in distance because we're just we're playing too soft in the secondary. Um, I get it. We're young and we don't want to give up the big play. I understand it. But like you can't it can't be third and 16 and you give up a deep out route for 19 yards. Like you got to understand that that's, they're trying to get to the sticks. So sit on something like if you beat you over the top once. OK, but like they didn't stretch the field on us or throw anything by us the entire game. So it's like. I don't know why you're you're backpedaling and trying to stay over top of a deep out where you know he's trying to get to the sticks. Um, so just small things like that. I'm, I I still think not too much. I I just went on two three minutes. <laughs> I, you know I'm still I'm still I still like the team. Um, based on our schedule, I still think I still call me crazy. I still think we can win seven or eight games. Um, but you're going to have to make some changes in the way we're doing things. Um, and people are going to have to get better. We ran the ball well yesterday. Just keep, I think we need to rely on that a little bit more. And when our receivers names are called to make big plays, they have to do it. Um, you have to do it. It's, it's just that simple. All right. Well, let's get to the, uh, the point in the show where we award what we saw, what we liked most about college football in the weekend. This is the peace of mind pom-poms where we give out a little award to players, teams, efforts, statistics. Uh, AJ, get us going. What do you got? Yeah, first pom-pom going out to UCLA. I mean, they. there's been weeks that they've looked just awful. Um, but – I will say this, they're, they're still showing up. They're still rallying around their coach, and they could have given up last night. They were down by 32. They could have packed it in and went home, and they didn't. They kept fighting. They got back in the game, and they got their first win on the road versus the right team. I think that's incredible. Uh, so pom-pom to Chip Kelly and the UCLA team. thought it was an amazing win, and uh, they're well-deserved. I've got one for Justin Fields' second quarter. <laughs> in the first quarter, Ohio State did not look like world beaters, but in uh, Justin Fields' second quarter, he uh, threw for four touchdowns, ran for another two, had ended up with uh, about 220 passing yards. So uh, high scoring, well done. Uh, highest scoring single quarter in Ohio State history. So pom-pom to Justin Fields. That is just insane. Um I've got one for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, We talked about it, but 23 carries for 202 yards and two touchdowns against the top 15 team. Uh, Doesn't matter what their, you know, what the rankings or whatever says. Like, you got to quote them that they were a top 15 team. And, I mean, he he solidified himself as, like, a a front runner in this Heisman Trophy campaign. Um, So I was pretty impressed by it. Um, I've got one for Pitt offensive coordinator Mark Whipple at the oh end of the game with it on the line. He calls up a 
beautiful trick play. Quarterback steps up to the line of scrimmage, acts like he's changing the play, get an automatic direct snap. Then they run the reverse pass back to the quarterback, all at the goal line to win the game. So kudos to Pitt, an offensive coordinator. I'm assuming he called the play. Mark Whipple on the great play call. You get a pom-pom. Um, going back to this game again, uh, Aesop Winston for uh, Washington State. Like I know that they didn't get the win, but my man had 10 catches for 114 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> he was doing his thing. And they still lost, but, man, that's a hell of a stat line. He slept better. I don't know about the rest of their team, but he slept all right. Uh, I've got one for LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. Finished the game 25 at 34 for 398 yards and six touchdowns. No interceptions. Almost a perfect QBR rating of 96.4. Man, that's (laughs) what a game. That's the uh, single game record for most touchdown passes in a game. And he's currently sitting at 17 touchdowns with two interceptions and is my front runner to win the Heisman Trophy. I think I think you're probably right there. I think that obviously it'll flush out a little bit more over the next month or so, but he's probably got to be the leader in the clubhouse right now for for uh, yeah. Heisman. Uh, my last two are both staying in the state of California, so I'll run through them quick. Um, one, I'm giving out a team pom-pom to San Jose State. Um, going on the road, beating an SEC team will always be a big feat, uh, especially for a Mountain West team. Um, Thought it was a great win for them. Arkansas's not good, but still a good win for that program. And uh, Matt Fink, third-string quarterback for USC. Uh, Slovis gets knocked out first drive. Can't play. Fink comes in. All he does is go 21 for 30 for 351 yards and three touchdowns uh, to beat a top-10 team, Utah, at home. Uh, thought it was a great showing. It's it goes to show if you put the kids out there and you, you let them play instead of trying to baby them, uh, sometimes they'll make plays. So it's impressed and pom-pom for them too. Uh, like I said before, I got a pom-pom for University of Georgia's athletic department and their, uh, whoever the director of football operations, whoever it is that put on that <laughs> show was a spectacle on the biggest stage um, it got. I, I'm not a Georgia fan. It got me jacked up for Georgia. So I can only imagine what it did for the players. Uh, kudos to them. Uh, pom pom to whoever in that athletic department that put on that show at the Georgia Notre Dame game. God, those lights were awesome. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Any more? You got that? Was your last one? I. That's the last yeah, one. I like it. Um. We do these every week. Um, Those are some of the things we like to see. Um, I, you know, I watched uh, watched a decent amount of football this weekend. Um, One thing that I did want to call out was um, I wanted to give kudos to the Big Ten uh, officiating crew. I I was watching the Wisconsin and Michigan game. And it sucks because these plays were literally like three plays apart, but they um, they overturned an, uh, a targeting call uh, because McCaffrey was kind of in between a dive slide 
and the guy like leaned down to make contact. He did. There was helmet to helmet contact, but it wasn't forcible and it wasn't like he was launching himself into it. I thought they did a good job. He, he, he they got ejected. No, not the first kid. Not the first kid. They overturned the first. Yeah, they yeah, did. They came back. They, they came back and overturned that one. Um, the one where he was, and then like two plays later, where he got just mollywop. They threw that kid out, but not the first yeah. kid. And I think that was good. I think it was the correct call. Um, it took a little time to diagnose, but I think they did right by um, not throwing him out because, again, it's it. I understand it's a judgment call, but we've got to do better by the kids that are playing this game. Um, I don't think it's fair to take four quarters away from a kid um, on A, a judgment call, or B, um, just because something appears to look like a helmet-to-helmet collision. Um, And I bring up the Big Ten because I think that they diagnosed those two plays correctly versus – Another game that I watched where there were uh, multiple helmet-to-helmet collisions that could have been targeting that were overlooked, and it's just there's no. It's almost like the catch rule in the NFL. There's no, there's no fine line to say this is this is targeting, this isn't targeting, and I I feel like it's messing up the game, um, and it really needs to be something that the NCAA looks into and tries to correctly assess because I think. I speak for a number of people that say like, it's just the games aren't as fine anymore because you are having these suspect calls that are, you know, change like changing a game. Um, I don't want to give, I don't, you know, some part, part of it's Mississippi state, but part of it is Kentucky gets back two starters in the second half that were out for targeting calls from the last week. Well, Mississippi State doesn't score a point in the second half. So, like, yeah, that's a big thing. Um, you know what, Kevin? I'm wrong. They did throw that guy out because now that I'm thinking about it, Wisconsin is down two secondary players uh, for targeting. You're right. They did throw him out. And so, no, that's a big deal. Like, if they got to sit in the first half of the next game, you got two starters out. My bad, Kev. For right. something that happened seven days right, before. Right. Well, that's a th- the first one, like when a quarterback slides, he slides and like his back touches the ground. But like he stayed up. So like the guy is just kind of standing there like, ah, you're sliding, I'm going to stay right here. And then like that's not the kid's fault. Now the other, the second one, the, he tried to take yeah, his oh, head yeah, The second one was disgusting. But even then, I don't. I, I I don't even think that the second one was malicious because I think he wanted to kill him. But the guy dragging him down from behind pulled the quarterback lower, and so the helmet instead of hitting or instead of his shoulder hitting the stomach or the chest, it hit his helmet because he got pulled down from behind. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How do you? How do you? But feel again, about the still are, like, like where contact made by another player helps to increase the helmet helmet contact. So like see that's the thing the rule is made for like when a receiver's going across the middle and you're the safety and it's just you and the receiver right. and you're just like so you don't tee off right. on that kid. 
What's up? We ran into the same issue. Or you got the quarter. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Or you got the quarterback standing in the pocket and like you're just, oh, he's not even looking. I'm going to go crush him and you don't hit him in the head. I get that. But like if you're going to rush a quarterback and you go for the chest and then somebody from behind pulls him down and it hits his head, like, like there's nothing I can do about it. Right. That. So that was that was gonna be my point. Like I shouldn't be suspended for an entire game. Right, right. And so that that so like last week we had one of our like starting D linemen, same thing, suspended for that. And um as everybody knows now, because you've seen him play a whole game, uh Trask at Florida can he can use his legs. He's a runner. And so we were trying to get him down, and as we were like swinging him down. The defensive lineman who normally was aimed at his chest ends up hitting him in the helmet because he ducked, like he's getting slung down and he's ducking at the same time. Which, if you've ever played football, if a hit is coming, you're gonna brace for the hit, which is gonna lower your head. It it's just physics. If you tighten up your body for a hit, your head shrinks down. It's simply like human nature, and I feel like we're. It's it's messing up the game, but it's also not fair to the players. Yeah, I agree. It's almost it's, it's, not fair. it's not fair. And I think like like you mentioned before, you said this a number of times, but they should go to judging it like the flagrant foul and like there's a level one, a level two. Like the that the second hit, the second hit in the Michigan game, I one hundred percent think that the kid that delivered that hit to uh, McCaffrey should be out the, at least the whole this whole coming game. I don't think he should get to play at all because right. I think that was it was forcible launched uh, collision to the head. I think that it was malicious, and I think he had intent behind it. I think he in his mind was like, "I'm about to light his ass up," and did it maliciously. Versus, well, I mean, if you think about it, like lacrosse, when you do a or hockey. You have a you have a timed penalty. You're out for two right. minutes. You can do the same thing in football. If you like, like it doesn't need to be. I get what they're saying. Like there's one minute left in the fourth quarter, so we don't want that to be a one minute penalty. You know what I mean? Like, like that. Just make it two quarters. I don't know. It's just I don't like it. <laughs> the I I don't I don't like that the penalty isn't standardized. Like if you your targeting call might be, uh, it, I mean if you happens on the first play of the game, your targeting p- call is six sixty minutes. You know it's it's a four quarter penalty. But if it happens on the last play of the second half or the first half, you're you're only out for two quarters, right? Like that's not right to me. Like make it two quarters. So if it happens at two fifteen left in the second quarter, then you can come back at two fifteen left in the fourth quarter. I like that. Like if it happens at, you know, one minute and ten seconds left in the fourth quarter, well then you can come back with one minute and ten seconds left in the second quarter of the next game. Just make it two quarters. I like that. So I mean that's just an easy thing. I don't understand why that it has to be so difficult. Why if some like the same penalty, I mean I mean I guess it happens in the NFL. Like some pass interferences are 50 yards long and some pass interference penalties are 15 yeah, yards. Yeah, but long. the but with that it, it's 
it's it's a spot it's foul. It's predetermined. Like, yeah. You know it's a spot foul. Now, granted, whether that spot is six yards down the field or 26 yards down the field, it's still a spot foul. Right. It just so, – it's almost yeah, like that's, the, we'll, the face we'll, mask thing where they went from taking away the incidental five to now everything's 15. Right. So, I don't know. Will it change? Probably not. Uh, we we live in a political uh, atmosphere now where uh, people are scared because they're going to get uh, – I mean, you do something that's controversial, you'll get uh, – you'll lose your job. Everybody wants – everybody doesn't want just to punish you. They want to ruin you. Yeah. So, if you do something that's controversial, we're going to make sure that you're ruined. And uh, that's why it won't – that's why it won't change. Yeah, disheartening for the kids. I, I think the kids should vote on it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, get a player committee and have them come up with a rule. They're the ones taking the hits. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just not fair. I, I, don't, I don't know how much to say. It's just not fair. Nevertheless, yeah, so. we're down another week. All right, well, it was a good week of college football. I'm excited to do it again next week. Yeah, we got a we got a loaded we got a loaded schedule next week. I think we're going to see a lot of good games. So I'm interested to see uh, how we do. 